Proven Not Perfect community. This is Chantra Powell. I am so excited to share with you this conversation that I've just had with a wonderful, wonderful woman. Her name is Danya Litwitz. Danya is CEO, co-founder and CEO of Impasta Foods. I think you're going to find her work very innovative as well. I think she is starting to identify a new potential growing market. And for those of us that are really uh, undercover business geeks, or maybe not even quite so undercover, you might find it pretty interesting how she's rethinking foods and how she certainly is inspiring me to rethink it for myself. I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Danya Litowitz. Hi, Danya. How are you? Hi. <laughs> I am here with Danya Litowitz. Danya is a badass woman who has boldly co-founded a business. And there's so much that I want to understand and get into um, that I don't want to waste a minute of this trip. We're going to jump right in. Danya, okay, I can tell them all the things that you know we just talked about offline that make that make you shine out in my mind. But if I were to say, what's one Okay, I'll give you three. Three adjectives that describe who you are. Who are you? Three adjectives, just one word each. I think that's still three adjectives. Hello, brain, COVID brain. (laughs) It's actually pretty easy for me. Um, I would say fun. Mm, Yes, cosine. (laughs) Um, Relentless. Yes. Seeing you compete, yes. And I think uh, genuine. Oh, I love those three. I love those three. And I can tell you as a class just beneath you in my executive MBA program, um, I saw all those things in you. You are the Kellogg leader that they're actually out there, you know, sponsoring in LinkedIn and otherwise. So I'm hoping that all the folks that listen to this know that you're one of my people. Okay. That being said, girlfriend, um, let's talk about Impasta brand. So Impasta is a ready-to-eat spaghetti squash made out of upcycled vegetables. So Upcycling is something that's relatively new. Um, Yeah, tell us what that is, because most of us are like, that sounds really fancy, not so sure. Well, and when we started the company, we didn't even know what upcycling (laughs) was. Um, We saw that 60% of spaghetti squash at our farm was left on the ground one year. It was about 8.4 million pounds of squash. It's about, and think about that squash is grown and then rejected from retailers for cosmetic scarring, you know, this ugly produce. 8.4 um, million pounds. Pounds from one farm. From what, how big is this farm? Just context. Uh, I think that, that season in spaghetti squash, they did about a hundred acres. Wow. So, so a hundred acres. Oh of spaghetti my gosh. Okay. That's a heck of a lot of food to waste when still so many people need food. Anything about this happens every day all over the world in so many farms, you know, when vegetables are grown, if they're not pretty, they get rejected by retailers because they have either, you know, they're not the right shape or the right size or they have a little bit of a blemish or whatever. And um, that food, you know, most of it goes into processing, which is the secondary, you know, tomatoes become ketchup or pasta sauce or 
you know, carrots get whittled down to little mini carrots. Those are just regular carrots that they shave down into little carrots. Um, And, and, you know, every vegetable kind of has that secondary outlet of processing. Um, Spaghetti squash does not. So the only place that typically you would find spaghetti squash is in the store. Grocery store is a whole vegetable. Um, So we saw. Let me make sure that me and the rest of us know this. Okay. So spaghetti squash, is that the same as the squash that I take and make with my zucchini, if you will, my zucchini squash? Is, is, is that the same squash or is this a different squash? No. So there's lots of different types of squash. Um, spaghetti squash is, is, it is a hard squash. So hard squash, meaning it has a harder skin, just like a pumpkin or an acorn squash or a delicata. These are all different types of hard squash. Spaghetti squash is a, a an, an oblong kind of like um, oval shaped yellow squash mm-hmm. where its skin is considered hard squash, but it still is a little bit softer. And so it, it is, you know, it's very often scarred from rain or if there's like leaves rubbing up against it while it's growing, it'll create these like little brown marks, which cause it to be rejected from retailers. Summer squash is zucchini, that yellow squash. Those are summer squashes for like softer skin squashes. So Spaghetti squash is special because when you cook it to a certain temperature, it naturally shreds into a, a spaghetti looking huh. vegetable. So it's, it's special because it's really, there's not a lot of other uses for it other than eating it as a vegetable or, or, you know, using it as like a spaghetti alternative, a pasta alternative, um, which it doesn't taste like pasta. It tastes like a very mild squash, but what's beautiful about it is it has like a little bit of a sweetness, like not, not as sweet as the butternut. Yeah, but not as bland as a, a zucchini. And so you can put a lot of different sauces on it. You know, it's great with curries and pestos and peanut sauce and, you know, cheese sauce. So there's lots of things that you can do with it and cut carbs out of your diet. Wow. Oh my God. I love that. Okay. So adding that to the grocery list, um, because I'm <laughs> sure you're going to tell us eventually how we find it and all those things. Okay. So now you figure out there's all this waste, right? of this one, um, this one very key vegetable that has great use. Um, and you've said, okay, how do we approach this and create a product that we can take to market? Um, is that kind of how the story continues? So my, my co-founder, Peter Mead is the one who, he's the one who came up with the idea. He's the one who worked at the farm. He saw the waste and said, you know, we need to do something about this waste. Well, when you take something that's normally put into landfill or diverted to it's into going into garbage or landfill or waste, when you divert it back into the food system, that's called upcycling. So it's not, it's not waste or garbage. It's food that doesn't get used. It's perfectly good, healthy food that gets, that just gets wasted because there's no place to nothing to do with it. And so upcycling is the, is, is making the effort to take that squash or taking that food that could go into landfill and actually repurposing it or making it into something else. And so uh, we're, we're part of the upcycled food association, which is a newer association. They've been around for just a couple of years. It's only about 200 member companies, but they're growing rapidly because people are seeing that this is the most effective way that an individual consumer can make a difference is by reducing food waste. 
And so by promoting products and supporting products that do that for you, you're, you're helping the environment, you're being sustainable. And, and there's companies out there that are trying to make products that make it easier for consumers to make good choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these are basically, this is basically an opportunity for you to, quite frankly, be a part of making a market is what I'm hearing, because the, this is only a relatively recent conversation. I'd say last five seven years where I'm hearing people talk about food waste and reuse? Well, we have the way that I, the way that I see it is, is that the way that organics came into the marketplace and everyone would have this awareness around pesticide use and, and wanting to buy organics. Now there's an organic section. I think that now food waste and people being conscious of the environment. And while we're starting to see the effects of the changes in the environment, people will start to make, daily choices differently and will eventually have areas of the grocery store that are dedicated to upcycling. Wow. I love that, man. It might even have a whole market that's dedicated to it as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super cool. All right. So now let's go back, back, back. Um, So you've got this, you and and Peter have this idea. Um, You want to get going. What year are we in when that happens? It's like 2017. um, And, and Peter, you know, had this idea, tried to do some R&D on, it, on his own, um, saw the opportunity, actually went to the Canadian government and got a government grant to do R&D, which is when I joined the company. Um, we weren't even a company yet. It was just an idea. Um, but my background in in marketing and business operations, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I've done it before, started companies, um, built them up. And so with my experience and then my passion with food, I was brought in to to partner on this tri- on this deal and and do the R and D with the with the food scientists in um, I actually did it in Niagara College in Canada, and uh, it was super fun. It was like two years of R and D, but flying up and going into the lab with scientists and understanding you know the chemical makeup of spaghetti squash. And I feel like I am I know more about spaghetti squash than <laughs> anyone. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking really, pork, gump, and shrimp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, just really trying to understand what are the opportunities that, to do with this with this vegetable, um, because it is a very special vegetable. And we now have this ready-to-eat product. It's, it takes about 45 minutes to cook if you were to buy it raw and then cook it, prepare it yourself. It's super difficult to cut. And so our our process just takes all the work out for you. You go to the store, you buy it, you take it out, shred it, eat it really easy. Are there special process nuances that you and Peter thought about bringing forward as you were nurturing this new product idea? Um, is it, are there, are there proprietary processes that go along with doing what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do have, um, a proprietary process, which has, it took us like two and a half years to, to figure out. Um, but the result is an absolutely perfectly prepared. It's a little bit al dente spaghetti squash. So you can cook it a little bit more, or you can have a little bit more of a crunch if you wanted to make it like a slaw. And, um, and it has a 60 day shelf life with no preservatives and no additives. Wow. And where is it selling right now? We're in a couple Kroger stores. We're in Roundy's uh, Mariano's in Chicago. We're um, in Costco. We sold through meal kits, HelloFresh, um, wow. you know, Dinnerly, Marley Spoon, a bunch of places. But we may have actually had it and not known it, 
But now we not only know to, to look for it perhaps on the label, but also if we haven't even thought about this alternative, because you know what? I mean, the last couple of years, let's be honest, so many of us, um, if we have been fortunate enough to preserve our health, right? We are, you know, still none of us are, have escaped things that have just happened, right? And so um, it's a season for, for this food and others. And so when I think about that question, I start to think about, you know, um, when you started this business, were you starting it specifically purely on the product that you see? Um, or were you thinking about an opportunity for a whole new focus on foods and where foods can go? Because I astutely pick up that you call it impasta foods and not uh, spaghetti squash. <laughs> well, so we we so Peter and I have have different passions. Um, he's extremely passionate about helping others. Um, he, there's a big part of our business where we take food that's made that doesn't meet, because even we pick up squash off the ground, we process it. And if it doesn't meet the certain size requirements that retail requires, it gets wasted. So even within our process, there can't, there is possible waste. We try to be a zero waste company. So anything that cannot be used, that's not edible, ends up being bioprocessed into compost. Anything that is edible that doesn't need spec for retail, we package and then we donate to food insecure areas. And so we also do education and, and we're trying to teach um, underserved communities about health and vegetables and, you know, all this different variety. So, you know, majority of the world only eats about 10 vegetables and very like very specific uh, commodities. So we, we like the diversity is really important with diet. Um, and introducing all these different types of interesting vegetables to, to different consumers is something that we are also attempting to do. And then for my personal passions, um, I was in a business prior in beauty and pet products that really just didn't align with my values. The products are, they, they ended up in landfill there. And I, I hit a point in my life where I said, if I'm going to do something and I'm going to create something and bring it to this world, I want to make sure that I'm being a good steward of the planet. And so anything we do now has to meet our triple bottom line. Of course, it has to be profitable. It has to make sense financially. It has to make sure that we're keeping people and the, and, and planet. So the three things we're really focusing on are profit, people, and planet. Profit, people, and planet. So your why sounds like it is so much bigger than just making profit. Um, you know, with your triple bottom line and being so articulate about that, but then also seeking insecure communities to support and to uplift in this way and teaching. I think that's pretty remarkable. Where does that passion for you come from? Like now I'm going to sort of take a hard turn left and say, I get it from a business standpoint. And in some ways it's, you know, it's the language that we're all speaking or at least being asked to speak right now. But personally, you know, why do you think you're called to this mission right now? Um, and is there any peek into, you know, your life as a little girl that uh, maybe foretold that you might hear, end up here one day? Well, it, it, I know absolutely it comes from my family. So my grandmother um, and my grandfather, but my grandmother was ahead of her time. She was an animal rights activist. She was a vegan when I was a child and which is now, you know, very common, but, you know, back then 
you know, 30, 40 years ago was not common. Um, and I remember having tofu at Thanksgiving and, you know, it's really unusual things for, for someone um, that many years ago. Yeah. And she exposed me. We used to do, we used to have Tuesday lunches um, and we would have a margarita at lunch or a cocktail <laughs> or something. <laughs> I love your grandmama. <laughs> and she was amazing. Um, but she wasn't afraid to speak up. I mean, whether it's, um, you know, activism within politics or animal rights. I mean, she, however she felt it needed to be, she wasn't afraid to say it. And she put her money where her mouth was. She supported, um, you know, wolves and whales and, and ants and all sorts of, of, of different types of animals and environmental causes and people. And, and that I think is what was the foundation to where we are now. Um, and I'm really supportive of the environment, um, and, and animals that can't do for themselves that and combined with Peter's passion, um, for, for, for people. And he's very involved with his church he, because of those two things, we both are very well represented within the company. And, and we just know that anything that we do in business, we want to make sure that we're fulfilling, not just business. We want to make sure we're also doing good um, and whatever that good looks like. So, so whether it's environment or whether it's helping people. Man, that's right on. So this is a question that naturally comes when, you know, folks that are listening, so many of us have these great ideas to start something. Um, how do you know that you are making a good choice with the right partner, right? Now, in my case, it's easy because I was married to him and I knew him very well. And we said, okay, this is a great idea. Let's do it as an investment for our family, an investment opportunity for our family, right? And then, you know, and that goes on. Um, maybe that's your case with Peter, but my question is really more general then, you know, when, when anyone is thinking about forming a partnership um, in business, what would you say are the three things they should make sure they line up on before they know that they have the right partnership? Because that can be freaking tricky for people. I think, and I'm not sure everyone's going to like my answer, but give it. Um, give it. <laughs> But my opinion is, is that get everything out in the open to start. You know, it's almost like signing a prenup or signing. It's an operating agreement. It's this is the expectation of the relationship. Be super clear and spend the time, invest the time to talk through vision. You know what the expectation is on time, on how much time are you going to spend working? You know, what, what's your, your commitment? What are your plans? Do you have family plans? You know, do you want to work on weekends? You know, are you going to work when you're traveling? Like what is it that you want and what is it that you're willing to give and make sure that that's clear with partners, because the worst is when you, you say, Oh, everything is beautiful. Everything, everyone's happy in the beginning. And then you start down that path and then expectations aren't met. And as long as you're being clear with those expectations, because I think what happens often in business and, and in personal relationships is you have your own expectation and you don't share it. Yes. And then when they don't need it, everyone's disappointed. Yes, girl. It's like a, it's just like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So I really believe strongly in um, operating agreements and, and really spending the time to, to go into detail of what the expectations are from each partner and making sure you have it in writing. And then it's like, it's clear. And if something breaks down, you know what the breakdown is going to look like because you've already outlined it before you get to that point. 
Mm, that's right on. So I want to explore this with you too. So when we did business school, probably way back when, um, you know, it was still the evolution of the booze SWAT um, and things like that, thinking about competition day and night, right? I even think about, you know, in my earliest days in M&A in corporate, you know, we spent a lot of time doing war gaming and, and things of the like, always thinking externally. I feel like there is a bit of a shift that's happening in business where strategists, pure strategists, um, are thinking less about everyone else outside of their walls and thinking more about not only the people within the walls, but the mission for the walls to exist for the people it serves. And it's a subtle shift, but it's a shift nonetheless, right? Um, because you can only play to your strength, I guess, is the is the, the the psyche, right? You can play to your strength, but the minute you start focusing on your weaknesses, now you're dishonoring your strengths and everything topples. What do you think about that as a notion of the evolution of business strategy and thinking about um, strategic uh, strategic moves in, in a season such as this? Well, I, I, I mean, I think that with, with strategy, you have to play up to your competitive advantage. And if you focus, if you don't want to focus on what you're not, what you're not able to do well, you're going to focus on what you are able to do well and how that differentiates you from the rest of the pack. Right. And, and I think if you go all in that the consumer, because every, everyone has a consumer, a customer, a consumer, they recognize that, especially if there's passion involved. So if you're passionate about it and you're, you're, you're following your guiding light when it comes to whatever it is that you're, and, and I can only really speak to my, my experiences with my businesses, but when it comes to like spaghetti squash, for instance, or impasta, which is this ready to spaghetti squash, you know, our competitive advantages are that we are the farm. We know who else is doing spaghetti squash products or what they're trying to do. Um, you know, we have this input guaranteed input and we have, no shortage of it. We can grow as much spaghetti squash as we want, you know, 365 days a year. And we know we have a fixed cost. Most other companies don't have that. And we, that is a huge competitive advantage. And so we play into that and right. we promote that. Right on. That's it. Right. Knowing who you are, knowing what your strengths are and being able to lean into that. All right. So what's your dream big statement for Impasta Foods? Dream big statement? <laughs> You heard it here, folks. <laughs> What's happening 10, 15 years from now, as you think about all that you're seeding and investing now, what are we harvesting in 10, 15 years? Well, I, I'd like to see um, spaghetti squash become more of a staple in the, in, the, in the diets of not just Americans, but of just in people in general. It is an underutilized vegetable that people don't know about. What's it, um, what's it good for? Tell us what, what's that vegetable good for any nutrient or something that you can. It's loaded with vitamin A, which is great for your eyesight. So if you're, you know, if you're an older person and you're really focused on making sure that I mean, there's the, the macular gen degeneration, those types of things, you want to really be pushing as much vitamin A as possible. So I know that there's a lot of diets, like um, they, they say eat by your color. So there's not a lot of yellow foods. Yellow foods is great for your eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I think that, that 
just like cauliflower had this moment over the last maybe five years. Yeah. Now you see cauliflower everywhere. There's cauliflower rice and there's cauliflower pizza crust and there's cauliflower tortillas. And I mean, it's everywhere because people are trying to be inventive to lower the carbohydrate intake of wheat and, and, and gluten. They're trying to eradicate these things or, or promote products that are healthier. Spaghetti squash is the same. It's the same opportunity as, as cauliflower um, with a completely different flavor, different um, vitamin benefits. And so in a different flavor profile. So, um, you know, I hope that I hope to see spaghetti squash as a main staple as part of everyone's diet, just like cauliflower has become that. And, and we find that about 40% of consumers have never tried spaghetti squash. So there's a huge amount of Americans that have never even heard of it before or tried it. Yeah, that's why I wanted you to talk about it because it, it can be me easily misunderstood. Source of strength. What is your source of strength? My source of strength? <laughs> you wake up and your dog tired or you've tried the thing and the thing doesn't work and you have to pull from your toes something. What do you do? What does Danya do to center as this you know, amazing co-founder and CEO, how do you, what do you pull from? Well, like I said, one of the words I describe myself was relentless. And so I'm not afraid to keep working. I work and work and work. Um, and in order to balance that, I take time off. And so the time I take off, I truly try to unplug. Um, my, one of my favorite places is Zahuatanejo. It's on the West coast of Mexico. I love going there. And when I'm there, I'm on a beach and there's no one there and I recoup. But when I'm working, I am super hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Danya, it has been a pleasure to reconnect with you. You're somebody seriously that I've looked up to and admired because your spirit, it was just amazing. The moment that we both showed up at Kellogg School of Management together and I had the privilege of being in a class under yours. Um, all the best to Impasta Foods. I'm looking forward to telling the story part two. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Awesome. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye.